here's Randy Taylor. Hello, and thank you very much for joining me. And for this program called Informed, I'm Randy Taylor. As the name suggests, that's what this show is all about, to inform, to provide alternative solutions to the status quo that I think that people have bought into for so long. And this show in particular uh, is one that is very, very near and dear to my heart. This show actually is the uh, is the impetus uh, for the beginning of this podcast from from the outset called Informed, uh, an experience that uh, that I had, that my family had, that led me to connections of the people that uh, are joining us on the show here today, that uh, sadly we all share uh, a very unusual and uh, uh, very dangerous uh, connection and things that happen to our children. So I want to thank uh, our guests very much for uh, for joining us here today. Uh, the issue is dealing with an over-the-counter medication. And when you when you say that term, just I, I was reading about more of it today, and just letting those words roll off an over-the-counter medication like it's you know absolutely innocuous and it should be uh, uh, it should be just just fine for uh, you know for everyone and it's not going to bother anyone. Uh, and the reality is is that this medication has caused uh, serious health issues for thousands and thousands of children uh, across uh, North America and uh, and around the world. So that's what we're here to uh, to talk about and to discuss today. Uh, our guest uh, joining us on the show, uh, Chris Howie. He was the first guy that I talked to uh, with uh, the organization Parents Against Miralax, and uh, just you know what, forever in my heart, Chris, because you were the one that held my hand and you know took me through this process to. Uh, be able to get out the other side, which is where we are today. Chris joined the uh, the group, uh, Parents Against Miralax, two years ago, has provided guidance like to he did to me, to thousands of others, on how to solve uh, constipation naturally and heal the gut in their child. Uh, Chris has a biochemical uh, background and has consulted with uh, leading, leading naturopaths and functional doctors as well uh, to help them understand PEG 3350. Uh, and it leading to uh, to damage. So again, Chris, thank you so much for everything you've done and for being uh, on the show here today. Mike Kohler is with us from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, when Mike joined Parents Against Miralax, it, it's incredible because they uh, were a little bit less than a thousand members. And that sounds like a lot in a Facebook group, uh, but those numbers have climbed now to 40,000. Uh, he was uh, an instrumental piece as well in a national media campaign uh, over the last few years, uh, an administrator in the Facebook group from 2017 to 2019, has been a member since 2015, uh, and his son was on Miralax for five years. Uh, and he's uh, aware that uh, Miralax has caused behavior, behavioral issues wow. with uh, his son uh, and led to uh, probably the diagnosis of epilepsy as well. Uh, Carol Chittenden is joining us. Uh, just thrilled to have Carol join us on the uh, the program today. She's with the Empire State uh, Consumer Project, uh, the author of uh, a petition in the U.S. FDA asking them to study PEG 3350 and the laxatives for children, uh, along with the parent uh, Jeannie Ward. So, uh, again, to uh, to everyone, to all of you for uh, for joining me here today. It uh, it really does uh, it really does mean a lot because putting a, putting a name to this and putting a face to this. Uh, is just so very, very important. So I just wanted to open up the discussion and start at, uh, you know, at the starting point. So the people that I, I'm hoping that this podcast appeals to are uh, people with children, right? This is going to be very, very broad. Normally it's more, more focused, the, uh, you know, the podcast that we do. So people with children, 
uh, in particular people with children who may have had constipation issues uh, and absolutely uh, people with children who may have put their child on or still have their children uh, on Miralax, which is the product name uh, made by Bear down in the US and here in Canada, it's called, uh, it's called Restorelax. So the, the, the common element I think that we all faced is that you know this is not a, a medication, an over-the-counter medication that you go and seek out for, for no reason. Um, it starts with issues of constipation. Correct. So we'll start, uh, Mike. Start with uh, start with you, and you know, kind of a bit of your journey of how you uh, how you got into this situation. Sure. Our journey started in 2010. Um, our son, at the time, he was four years old, and he was having some urinary issues. You know, after being fully potty trained, all of a sudden he's he's wetting the bed, and we're like, "Whoa, what happened here? You know, why is that happening?" So you know, we go and uh, we find a urologist. At, a, uh, at the Children's Hospital here in Madison. And uh, the urologist diagnoses him with a fecal impaction. And that what's happening there is that the, the colon is pressing on the bladder and causing the bladder to relieve itself prematurely. And so he's wetting the bed. Yeah. And so to deal with the fecal impaction, he was prescribed Miralax. And, you know, years thereafter, you know, it just continued on from, you know, the pediatrician, and unfortunately, even from the neurologist, you know, they're like, you know, because he remained, you know, constipated and with this impaction. And, you know, it was a five-year journey. And finally, it ended in January of 2015 when we, um, we did a cleanse at the, at the university hospital here in Madison and uh, cleaned him out. You know, I guess that resolved the constipation. But, you know, we at that point in time, we had a slew of uh, medical issues thereafter. And, and what, what were some of the first symptoms that you started to notice after he was on Miralax? You know, and we really, we didn't really connect the dots initially, to be honest with you, you know, because our son was, you know, I like to say very, a very normal boy. You know, he was thriving, if, if you can thrive in kindergarten, first and second grade, especially in second grade, he was done great. He was in like an advanced math program. But what we saw initially, we saw some behavioral issues where like, you know, we just, we just chalked it off to normal boy stuff, right? Like he's, you know, a little aggressive, a little feisty. And, um, and we didn't think anything of it until, until second grade when the seizure started. And that's when even like at the end of second grade, his, his second grade teacher called us up and said, Hey, something's not right here. This isn't the same Bradley that I saw earlier in the year. And then quite frankly, that summer and leading up to the start of third grade, that's when the wheels really fell off the bus. It was, that was horrific because especially once he got into third grade, he was ultra aggressive, you know, hitting kids for no reason. Um, I was coaching a soccer team, you know, he's stomping on his teammates feet, making these kids cry. He was a wreck at the house. Um, he wasn't doing his schoolwork. He had uh, what, what he was diagnosed with dysgraphia and what that was, it's like a handwriting disorder. So like he would dot his eyes to like the size of like a 50 cent piece. And he would sit there and just color and color and color and color and color and color. And um, until it was completely filled in, I mean, that eye had to be dotted appropriately in his, in his world. And when you're going to the doctors and you're describing these symptoms and all of a sudden this totally normal boy starts acting out like this, what was the response back? Just that, you know, they told us that it's not the mirror, you know, we didn't even think it was the Miralax at the time, to be honest with you, because I hadn't found the group yet. And, um, you know, my wife and myself, we're, we're both listening to the doctors, you know, and now, again, mind you, you know, we're seeing a neurologist 
Because even when we when we saw the neurologist for the first time, the first medication that he was put on was a, a drug called trileptol. And the trileptol actually induced more seizures than it controlled. It was supposed to be an anti-seizure medication, and it's actually causing seizures. But later when we checked, when we learned about polyethylene glycol, which is the only ingredient in Miralax, we then discovered, and we went back and looked at all the labels of the drugs he was on, and we found that polyethylene glycol was in the trileptol. So long story short, we switched that drug, and it didn't matter. No drug controlled the seizures, and I could touch on that more later. But, you know, the doctors, and, you know, quite frankly, we ended up with a psychiatrist as well at, at some point there in, in uh, 2014. And even she was pushing, you know, hey, he's, he's constipated, he's impacted, you have to continue doing the Miralax, you know, so it's coming from a slew of doctors. And we even saw a cardiologist because we had some, we had some um, heart issues that we needed to, to make sure that they were okay. And that it was just in uh, an irregular, uh, not an irregular heartbeat, but minor issue nonetheless. And it was, it was uh, eventually dropped, but you know, he, uh, you know, we're seeing all these doctors at the UW hospital and um, they're all telling us continue with the Miralax so that it's perfectly safe. And what led you to finding uh, this organization, uh, Parents Against Maryland? Well, ironically, in 2015, we were in the hospital. Um, we were in the hospital for two reasons. Um, the first reason was to see a neurologist and have an EEG done. And what that did there is they wanted to get the brain waves, right, and see if he had any abnormal activity in his, in his brain. And we got great news. The EEG was normal. And then we were turned over to GI. And GI wanted to do the cleanse, and they used a product called Go Lightly, and that contains 236 grams of polyethylene glycol. Well, while we're in the hospital, I get a call from arguably my best friend, and he says, Mike, you have to check out this article, because between Jean, I think it was primarily Jeannie Ward, um, did an article with the New York Times um, in 2015. It made the front page of the New York Times. And my, my friend, being from New York um, originally, He's like, Mike, you have to see this. This is about the dangers of Miralax and, and how, the way it's used in pediatrics. So sure enough, you know, I pulled up my smartphone and, and I, I found the article and I read it. And I'm like, whoa, what is this all about? Yeah. So after we were dismissed from the hospital, um, just to wrap that story up. So again, the EEG was normal. They did the cleanse. Worst experience ever. Um, but now we were, you know, the impaction is cleared. And, you know, they, they told me, they told my family, my wife and myself and even my son, hey, everything's going to be just fine. Well, everything wasn't so fine because once we got home that weekend, our son proceeded to have 21 seizures over the course of the following nine days. And so that was his last exposure to polyethylene glycol and to Miralax. And then shortly thereafter, I started doing a little research, doing a little digging. It was a couple of weeks later, I found the group. I found Jeannie, Carol. And even Anne was a huge instrumental piece, and uh, they led me to a naturopath. And I guess uh, I can touch on more of that, more on that about later. Yeah. If if not for you know a couple of those incidents, and I think that we all have had that experience. If not for this, it was not on the radar for for any of us. It, it just didn't make sense that you know this innocuous over the counter medication. It, it was not part of it. There had to be something else going on. But if not for that do you think that you would have still continued on giving this medication because you know you knew you needed to help him become unimpacted right absolutely yeah i mean you know cuz obviously they can get very sick if they don't if they don't produce a bowel movement if they remain yeah. backed up you know they can become very very sick and that was the last thing that we wanted you know we didn't you know i mean we experienced a lot of vomiting you know and other side effects you know his diet you know was was lacking and 
And it was, of course, we wanted him just to, you know, I like to say, be like everybody else. I mean, constipation is very common, yes. But at the same time, you know, we want him to be able to go number two and do what he needs to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, there's no doubt. If Had we not seen the side effects and if the doctors would have con- said to continue with the Miralax, absolutely. Because it was probably, it was probably the fall of 2014 when my wife realized, you know, hey, I'm going to administer this Miralax per the doctor's orders. And he would have like a, his, his seizures always came in clusters and she'd give them Miralax and he would have a round of seizures. And, and that number always varied. It was, ne- it was never consistent. It wasn't always the same number. Maybe it was in the same range of numbers, but you know, after that cleanse in 2015, when he had 21 seizures over those nine days, I want to say that was the great, probably the greatest cluster of seizures he ever had. That was pretty extreme. And, and as an example, Chris, I know you play a lot of hockey and whatnot and, we were at the ice rink that winter because, again, you know, it's pretty cold here in southern Wisconsin. But it was uh, that January of 2015, shortly out of the hospital, and uh, we're at the ice rink, and he, he had a couple seizures. And unfortunately, at that point in time, you know, not to get too graphic, but his seizures also included vomiting. And, um, and needless to say, just took him home, cleaned him up, and we went right back to the ice rink. You know, it was, it was absolutely horrible. It was absolutely terrible. Unbelievable. I mean, you uh, unfortunately were one of the pioneers in this organization. And uh, the fact that, you know, here you are today, it's uh, it's 2020. You you joined in in 2015 and you're still, you know, stepping up. And I, and I think so many of us, uh, you know, feel such a connection to the new families who are coming to the, you know, to the group every week that they're 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 the newbies and you know they need to know that there's help and they need to know how serious this is and they need to know how dangerous it is. Uh, and there's so many people to, uh, to support them. Like, uh, my good friend, Chris, who, uh, who helped us to, uh, you know, pull us uh, back from the edge. So Chris, share a bit about, uh, about your story about, uh, about Connor. I mean, Chris, just to, to give you an idea of how, you know, people just regular and Chris is a dad, I'm a dad, Mike, you're a dad, Carol, you're, you know, uh, you know, have family. And, uh, when I started talking to Chris and he lives a half an hour away from me, he would whip down to the to the health food store and pick up some supplements that he knew would you know would help Faith and drive them up to my house. Uh, and he brought Connor up to meet Faith, and she was so sick at the time she couldn't even you know stay in the front hall. She had to go back upstairs to bed. And so, buddy, I I, I can't thank you. Uh, I can't thank you enough. So, share some of uh, some of your story uh, about uh, about Connor, how this all started. Yeah, thanks, Randy. I think none of us would expect as parents that we spend so much time consumed with our children having a poo. And, you know, here we are years later with Connor. I still run to the bathroom to see how it went. You know, most parents, most parents are like that. So, you know, you know, similar similar to to Mike um, and similar to most parents, you know, we rely on our trusted medical professionals. We've got a great family doc. And the comment was made, uh, Randy, as you know, Sick Kids is one of the leading lights in, in Canada, one of the leading hospitals. My mom actually worked at Sick Kids in the 70s, uh, trained as a nurse. And, you know, we ran into constipation issues with Connor when he was around three years old and tried to, you know, we're, we're very natural with diet, clean diet. Um, you know, nature's important, gets a lot of our, uh, a lot of our, our, our spend. Yeah. And, you know, we invest in our invest in our diet. I still ran into some constipation issues. And, you know, our, our doctor, you know, 
recommended restore lax and, and and coming from a, a natural background and being aware of naturopathy and homeopathy iridology you know questioned it and it was well you know sick kids uses it you know it's it's safe it only pulls water so you know when a child the pressure as a parent you know when a child hasn't pooed for a few days you know as 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 mike said you're under that pressure that anxiety that stress so we ultimately started using it now we only use it occasionally maybe once every five days, once every seven days. It was really only used as, as needed. And, you know, it was around, around you know, four years old, about a year in, we started seeing some major behavioral. Now, if we back that all the way up, we ran into speech regression. Uh, Connor was seeing a speech pathologist. He was going to behavior therapy when he was three, four years old. So we didn't connect the dots. As, you know, as Mike said, you you, you don't assume it's the product that your child is consuming. But when we look back, speech regression, behavior issues, then we really were on kind of high alert with school. Um, you know, Connor started having aggression issues, uh, mood swings, you know, rage. And, you know, you talk about the terrible twos and threes and, you know, children becoming more aware of themselves. But we really did not us, but we were literally 11 o'clock every morning. You know, our son was at Connor was at Montessori school. We were, you know, a phone call away to have to, you know, Hey, come get Connor. Something's happened. Um, you know, he's either going back, you know, one-on-one with the teacher or, you know, you need to come pick him up because of issues he was having at school, you know, aggression, rage, um, you know, energy level issues. So again, we were working on diet, working on protein issues and, you know, it really was a, a night in, you know, 2000, you know, 2017, a, a night there that, um, you know, Connor was having, you know, major teeth grinding, um, having night tears. And, you know, it was a night of one of his, his night tears that, you know, my wife and I, you know, sort of broke down, you know, crying that we thought, you know, we'd lost our son. And, you know, Connor's a happy-go-lucky boy. Even school had commented, commented it really went down a steep curve uh, quickly and kind of coming into uh, the end of 2017, early 2018. And, you know, again, asked Mr. Google that night, you know, up in the middle of the night after a night tear, um, you know, asked Mr. Google on, you know, concerns with Restorelax. Now, I had no idea it was called Miralax in the U.S. and Go Lightly. And, in you know, in England, it's called the U.K., it's called Magricol and Osmolax in Australia, it's you know, Bayer smartly, they package this differently in different markets. And I'm assuming that's from a liability perspective, but all of a sudden found, you know, what Mike referenced to that, that article in the New York Times on dangers of Miralax, the ABC article that was done, the news, news piece that was done on the dangers and started connecting the dots. And when I went to our family doctor, literally the next morning, called her, was fortunate to get her started questioning and she's like, no, no, it's, you know, it only pulls water and, you know, started doing the research, found the Facebook group, Parents Against Miralax, did my reading and and was shocked to see, you know, the commonality around neurological issues. Um, Connor was getting labeled as a four-year-old with ADHD. We got into uh, the Children's Treatment Network here. Uh, We referred to a GI specialist for sick kids, but in the meantime, you know, did the research started using, you know, natural products to get him cleaned out through the Restorelax in the garbage, number one, realizing, you know, that it was, it's not just pulling water and what else it's pulling out of the, out of the GI tract, which, you know, we'll talk about and the chemicals in it. Um, 
but, you know, quickly was able to get him, you know, within a week or so was able to get him regular using natural products. And we actually held uh, June of 2018, we held our appointment with the GI specialist at SickKids. Now, this is one of the leading GIs. And with my, with my background, you know, came in prepared with the facts. And, you know, that appointment was to discuss, we did a celiac blood test, but really it was, you know, my intent of that meeting was to try and help, you know, you know A, question, and B, um, you know, present the facts on, on polyethylene glycol 3350. Quickly, you know, the GI specialist at SickKids referred really to the FDA and referred to, you know, well, there's been a study done at CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. There's been a study done and they've said it's safe. And I, and I was prepared. I knew that that study had not been, did not go ahead. It was ordered in 2014 by the FDA. I know, Carol, you're going to talk to this. But here you have Canadian health professionals relying on the FDA, relying on U.S. healthcare organizations, not questioning the facts. Health Canada never did a study on it. And so just, you know, quickly with the transition, within two weeks of getting back to natural, school called us and we were expecting, you know, a pickup. And it was, wow, <laughs> um, you know, Connor's back. He's back, you know, happy. His speech literally blossomed. And, uh, you know, as a parent, it was, you know, we felt like you know, this poison has been stripping his gut, affecting his brain, that whole gut brain connection, which we all know about but you know our happy calm boy was was back and has really been you know accelerated after that and it was it was uh, shocking the turnaround you know from throwing that in the garbage and healing his gut how fast connor you know came back to us thank god just as a a couple a couple of points um about everything that you have Ed, so far, I, I think that the, the blessing certainly was so good that you know he was on it a little more sporadically. So many other parents are put on it, you know, like like my daughter was, like my son was, constantly adult doses day after day after day after day. Uh, and so, uh, a, a couple of points I just wanted to make, and you guys can you know chime in and, and tell me if this is this is on point or not. One is that the longer that they're on it, uh, the healing process is going to take longer. It's my understanding that the the active ingredient, uh, PEG 3350, which is you know in effect a poison, is going to strip out the uh, you know the intestinal system, and that has taken quite some time for my daughter's you know digestive system to heal. Thankfully, she has. She was on it for probably four months, five months. Uh, Mike's son was on it longer, and I think the longer that you're on it. So one of the messages I, I'm hoping for people that are watching now is that somewhere in between uh, is what you can expect with your child if you, you know, get them off it and you get them on natural uh, you know, methods of, uh, of getting them to get their digestion uh, system working, that it's going to take some time. Don't be, don't be discouraged by it, number one. And the second point that I wanted to make is that, and it became so apparent to me when we had our you know, pre-show meeting uh, about this, was that here we are, four talking heads, uh, talking about this. And for the parents who are listening right now, and I think that this is so critically important, I know that it was Mike's experience, I know it was Chris's, and it certainly was mine, that the overwhelming knowledge and support and commonality that came from this group, uh, Parents Against Miralax, 
that when I joined was 35,000 families. When Mike joined, it was 1,000. It's now 40,000. That it leaves you with absolutely no question to get your kids off of it, that this stuff is awful, it's poison, um, and, and there, is a, there is a road back. So I, I just, I wanted to jump in and, and kind of make those points because I, I, you know, as a parent, would I, you know, go and make some big decision against my doctor uh, because of the four of us talking? Probably not, right? Uh, even though our stories are all the same and everything else, and, you know, the, there's so much power in the medical community that, uh, you know, and uh, Mike, you, we've talked before and you made that comment that you said to your wife, look, it, it, he's, he's, he's our doctor. He's telling us to do this. We have to do it. Right. And, and, and I'm not yeah. pointing fingers at anyone. It's lack of knowledge. It's lack of education. It's lack of whatever it is, but whatever it takes, right. To, to, to stop my child from being sick, the world needs to sit up and listen because this is really important. So uh, I just wanted to, uh, to jump in and, uh, and say that. And again, uh, Chris, I know that you have helped so many families uh, in the past. I know you continue to, uh, to work with them every day. I don't, what are there, 200 families a, a, a week coming online, uh, new families yeah. joining the group. So yeah, uh, incredible. Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I would comment, you know, I think gut microbiome coming in, you know, we're seeing, you know, certainly dairy is a major culprit, gluten, yeast, um, you know, the diet obviously coming in as a factor. But, you know, if children are being exposed to antibiotics, you know, we're seeing, and Mike can talk to the science of this, but we're seeing, you know, PEG-3350 and antibiotics acting very similar of stripping out the gut microbiome. So, you know, the gut, the gut health coming in beforehand is, is critical. And, and you mentioned it, there is a lack of knowledge. And I've had leading GIs admit and literally the GI sick kids put her hand, you know, midway on her stomach and said, you know, I'm trained on this. I'm not trained on the gut brain connection. Yeah. And, you know, doctors are very specialized. Medical school is very, you know, very specialized. You'll hear doctors say that, you know, the gut, gut brain connection is new research, new science. And, and, you know, meanwhile, you have organizations like sick kids or children treatment network. Or, you know, uh, our common doctor, uh, Randy in, in Markham at, you know, at uh, Maple Kids treating the most vulnerable children, but they do not have the gut-brain connection knowledge to understand what PEG-3350 is doing to the gut and what that actually means, stripping out short-chain fatty acids, stripping out good bacteria, stripping out bile salts, gall, you know, gut lining, and, you know, what that's ultimately leading to. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there is so much knowledge and I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening and I, I'm trying to play both sides, you know, of the, uh, uh, of the coin. And, you know, my daughter went to SickKids and on, on the other side of the, uh, uh, of the pendulum, she ended up having a genetic malrotation of her digestive tract uh, and it was, became an emergency situation uh, and the top physician in Canada at SickKids operated and saved her life. So they will forever uh, be in my hearts, but I, I'm hoping that this education is going to go forward and you know, knowledgeable people are gonna sit up and take notice and say, uh, just because it isn't in an FDA report doesn't mean it's not true, right? So yes. that's where, so Carol, your, uh, your involvement in this, uh, the Empire State Consumer Project, how long have you been involved with them? Give me a little bit of background on how, you know, you came to uh, to work with this organization and in 
uh, particular the uh, the petition uh, to uh, to the FDA about PEG 3350? I've been with uh, Empire State Consumer Project for I think 16 years, and in 2011, uh, I was ready to go for my own colonoscopy and took a look at the jug, and I thought that's not like me to just drink a product without inquiring about it because we do so much toxics testing. Um, And because, you know, personally, myself and my family, my children, we use mostly natural medicines and uh, natural methods for keeping our health intact. So I started doing research on polyethylene glycol and I ran across the the, uh, parent group, the original parent group. There was um, just a Yahoo group. Uh, Jeannie Ward was on that group, and there were maybe a hundred parents at that time. And I just started listening to the conversations without chiming in. And even within that 100 uh, group of families, all the stories were identical. They were all the same behavior changes that that Mike and Chris are talking about. And that was 2011. Jeannie and I started writing the petition because she had written one by hand, a handwritten note to the FDA when her daughter was affected. And uh, I said, I think I can help you. You know, I belong to this consumer group and this is what we do. We do toxics testing and we work with the FDA on certain things, uh, you know, mercury in, um, in, in foods, lead and apple juice, um, testing uh, food products, children's products. And we've had some success. We work with the Consumer Product Safety Commission. So she and I spent the next seven months, I think it was, working on taking all of her research and then adding to it everything that had been written about polyethylene glycol until we submitted the petition in June of 2012. Um, And, you know, you mentioned that the FDA doesn't have any documentation on this, but in fact they do. And we, we cite it all the time because they acknowledge so many uh, neuropsychiatric events in children and I would love to read them because parents need to know that these are actually acknowledged by uh, the FDA Drug Safety Oversight Board at a meeting they had June 18th, 2009. And since we submitted our petition, they took it off their website. Um, they mentioned metabolic acidosis, which is a disturbance in the body's blood acid balance. Um, it can be mild, but can also be severe and cause shock or death. The neuropsychiatric adverse events may include seizures, tremors, tics, headache, anxiety, lethargy, sedation, aggression, rages, obsessive compulsive behaviors, including including repetitive chewing and sucking, paranoia, and mood swings. So the all FDA has acknowledged above. that they have... Right? Yes. Parents, yes. right? All of the above. Everything yes. you just said. And that was the part uh, about joining this Facebook group where you looked at this and said all of these parents are having the same issues that my child is having. And, and you, you just, the disbelief and, and, and the rage and everything that you feel is incredible. So continue, but I wanted to point out that you mentioned that those first um, notations from the FDA are dating back to 2009. Here we are 2020. So go ahead. At the end of that meeting, it, there is, a, there is still a graph on the FDA website describing um, adverse events in particular drugs that year. They have like a little warning graph. Polyethylene glycol is on it. It mentions that they had a meeting. And in the to-do column, it says no action necessary at this time. So that's where we stepped in to see if we could get them to take some action. 
And I should mention too, that all of these symptoms that everyone is describing are almost identical to the symptoms of ethylene glycol poisoning. So what they agreed to study is whether polyethylene glycol is breaking down into ethylene glycol. And yes, it is the main ingredient in antifreeze um, or diethylene glycol, which is another. Uh, for years, parents have been saying that about the antifreeze connection and in the medical community has been saying that's not the same thing. Ethylene glycol is nothing like polyethylene glycol. Uh, so they agreed to study whether it was breaking down into ethylene glycol in children's bodies, but also the FDA had studied um, eight lots of polyethylene glycol laxatives. And in those products, before they were put in anyone's body, they found ethylene glycol and diethylene glycol because they were already metabolites of or products of polyethylene glycol or they broke down in the bottle. In what was the stable product, correct? Right. It had already happened. Yeah. Right. And, and just because in the manufacturing process, if you're making a product of ethylene glycol molecules to make polyethylene glycol, there are still going to be possibly some of those molecules in the product. They did test again one more time and didn't find any. We've asked that they continue testing because one test alone is not evidence that this whole product uh, for its lifespan is, is safe to use. We asked if they would be sure to test the product before they continue this study that they've agreed to do. Um, because of course you can't start a study to test whether it's breaking down in ethylene glycol if you're using product that already has it in there. So that's one of our other big concerns. We've asked them, please, don't just look at breakdown into ethylene glycol, look at the microbiome. The Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, who won the award, won the grant from FDA, has a microbiome center. I mean, that's how big microbiome research is right now. Yeah. We've asked that they please include research on the microbiome. How are any laxatives affecting the microbiome? If you're washing out nutrients, if you're washing out good bacteria, um, and the doctors there do have that knowledge. Even the GI doctors have the knowledge about the gut-brain connection. Um, but when you go for a grant, you go for a GI grant for the GI department. You know, they don't talk to each other necessarily. And it wasn't seen as important to say what's happening with nutrients, you know, things that are calming, possibly magnesium, who knows. Um, when you strip the body of nutrients and good bacteria and the other things that Chris and Mike have been talking about um, that has to be studied. You know, our concern was if they found that that polyethylene glycol wasn't breaking down into ethylene glycol in children's bodies, then they would say, see, it's fine. You know, and we know, we know better because we're a little bit aware just as lay people and, and some of my, you know, professionals who work in, in the health field, um, we know enough to say this is a possibility. Another really, from my understanding, and, and, and again, as, as a layperson, but like all the parents involved in this, uh, I have become extremely educated in the entire, you know, gut-brain connection uh, and everything else, the mucosal lining that is in the digestive system that protects the, uh, the intestinal tract from debris getting into the body. Uh, and one of, the, one of the issues with this, you know, I, I don't want to call it a medication, it's a poison. Uh, it, from my understanding of uh, attacking the digestive system is that it damages the mucosal lining so much that the people start getting leaky gut 
Uh, and what leaky gut is, is when particles of food going through the digestive tract begin to permeate and get into the body, into the bloodstream through holes uh, caused by PEG 3350 in the digestive system. And my daughter in particular went from someone who, you know, had a, a total kid normal diet, eating anything, our favorite thing three or four times a week was to, you know, go to Baskin Robbins and get a big ice cream and sit outside and uh, and eat it. And since being put on PEG, she has become allergic to everything. She's starting to heal now. She became celiac. She was allergic to dairy. She was allergic to potatoes. She was allergic to cheese. She was allergic to milk. She was allergic to certain vegetables. I mean, her testing came back and we spent, we're, we're really lucky that we could spend the money on all this testing. It, it wasn't cheap. But the testing came back and showed that she, her body was basically freaking out over everything that she was eating. Uh, and it's as a result uh, of what these chemicals did in stripping her digestive system out. Uh, and now it's been you know, this long healing process to build it back up again. And I, I'm just in, it, just in shock that you know, we're even having this discussion, that they had all this information at the FDA. And you know, conversely, here in Canada, we're, you know, we're pretty much the lapdog to the FDA. We'll take anything that they're saying and just rubber stamp it. But with this many complaints and this, the, the commonality of all of the symptoms of all these kids uh, coming forward, and they're still, we're still fighting to have something done about it. Never mind, oh my God, how about this? You're, you're harming and killing children. How about we throw it in the garbage and, and it's off the store shelves? Let alone, you know, Chris, as you say, put a black box around it. At least warn people of that. And again, when, you know, when we were looking at the prospect of giving this to our daughter, I spent days going deeper and deeper and deeper on the internet. Is there anything wrong with this stuff? Is it going to make her sicker? She's having enough issues as it is. I don't want to do this. And then we got talked into it. She was impacted. We had an x-ray and, you know, and we got scared into, uh, into putting her on this. And then one of the issues is that I think that a company the size of Bear is so powerful that they have millions and millions of dollars to spend on SEO to make certain that A, you know, Chris, as you said, there's a different name for this in every country, so it doesn't cross over, and B, the amount of money that they spend on SEO to make sure no information comes forward that says, oh, by the way, it causes all these neurological issues and all these digestive issues and all these, right? So there's that, and if it wasn't for a fluke, of my sister-in-law, who was a chiropractor, and a very natural person too, ended up taking it because her niece was and thought, well, I'll just try this and see if it helps me. She was having some issues and she took it and she called my wife and said, you know what, I took this stuff and I don't know, I'm just not feeling right. I, I just, my mood is off. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I sat down that night, typed in mood, and here we are. If I would not have typed in mood and, and, and Restorelax, I wouldn't have found parents against Miralax and I would have not known in a million years what was making her sick. So uh, Mike and Carol, if you can speak to, uh, you know, the actual chemical makeup of what we're talking about here, because I think it's really important for, you know, for parents to, you know, to again, make a decision to take your kids off of this. You want validated information. A, go to the website, Parents Against Miralax, but B, 
Um, I just wanted to share some of the chemical background information of what is in this product. So you guys go, go ahead. Sure. Um, I was actually just pulling up the, uh, we did, Carol, we did find that, that material safety data sheet that does break down some of the chemical makeup of polyethylene glycol 3350. And this is the USP, which is used in the pharmaceuticals. Um, and so Carol, you and I did um, exchange some emails with Bayer. We do have a contact there that we do reach out to on somewhat of a regular basis. And if I, if I may, and this is shared right at the Facebook group, Parents Against Miralax, and um, some of, and I'll, I'll just name off a few of these, and this is per a, a manufacturer of polyethylene glycol. I'm not saying this is the manufacturer that Bayer uses to make Miralax here in the States or any other product that they use, but this is a manufacturer. So some of the chemicals that I, that I see here, I do see uh, six one-hundredths of a percent of uh, ethylene glycol. I do see a fair amount of diethylene glycol, about uh, one, uh, almost two-tenths of a percent, um, formaldehyde, um, 200 parts per million of uh, formaldehyde, um, acetohyde, um, and I apologize, it's 15 parts per million of, of formaldehyde. It's a total of 200 parts per million of the acetohyde and the formaldehyde, so you have 185 parts per million of the acetohyde, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You have ethylene oxide. You have uh, one part per million of ethylene oxide. You have, uh, I think it's an emerging chemical. The EPA has recently put it on their uh, top 10 contaminant list. Um, if you were to Google Long Island Water Supply, Tucson, Arizona Water Supply, and the chemical 1,4-dioxane, it's a horrible chemical. Absolutely horrible. 10 parts per million in Miralax. Um, one of the worst chemicals today. Um, they're comparing it to PFAS, PFOS, uh, which a few companies have been sued for hundreds of millions of dollars over PFAS, um, uh, 3M, and it wasn't Dow, but might have been Dow. But anyway, um, I know 3M was sued for like 800 million over PFAS. So, and the EPA is comparing 1,4-dioxane to, uh, to the similarities of PFAS. So 1,4-dioxane, in my opinion, is something to look out for. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just off, uh, off a, uh, material safety data sheet that I found from Spectrum Chemical, um, a U.S. company. Gently draws water into the intestinal tract. And I look at this, you know, again, as a layperson, and I say, you know why it's making my child go to the bathroom because it's making her sick and her system is trying to expel it. Is, is that just a fair way to put it? It's like you're eating poison, you know, it's, if you eat something and you take in food poisoning and you throw up repeatedly, yes, it's purging. Your body is saying, oh, my God, this is not good. Get it out. It's not drawing water into the bowels, right? I mean, that's just my, my lay person understanding. But listening to all the chemicals that you just read off, doesn't that make sense? And something else that I, that I share periodically, and I think we all do, is um, – we were fortunate enough to do another podcast here not too long ago with, um, we had a retired pathologist, uh, Dr. David Bruns, um, out of the university of Virginia. He did a podcast with our group and he, the podcast is 12 minutes. It's linked in our group. It's excellent. I would highly advise that you listen to it, but he years ago, I, I think in the seventies, maybe eighties, he used a burn cream that contained polyethylene glycol. Again, the only ingredient Miralax and Restorlax. And he used this burn cream on several patients 
and they all died of ethylene glycol toxicity. And, and this is coming from a retired pathologist and it's, it's, it's frightening because like you talked about earlier, Randy, with the gut microbiome, you talk about the intestinal lining, the skin does the same thing. The skin protects our body from yeah. pathogens and chemicals, even though the skin's going to absorb some of it. But when the skin is compromised, much like when the microbiome, the mucosal lining is compromised, you're, you're, you're going to take in a lot more of that toxic chemical. And little did they know... Um, that that burn cream was that toxic. And he even talks about in that podcast, he received a letter from the FDA stating to cease using that burn cream. And he even goes on to say that burn cream today <laughs> remains on the market. And I don't laugh because it's funny. I laugh because it's absolutely pathetic, you know, because it's time for the FDA to acknowledge the dangers that are associated with this product. You know, we talk about the study and, you know, we talked, you know, the study, the grant expired last year in 2019. The study never started. It was a five-year grant. Um, you know, and, and again, we're seeing it with drug after drug after drug. I, I've gone through some drug applications. And, um, and it's sad to see because, you know, finally the FDA in, in around 2012, they acknowledged that, hey, our, they, they even said in the, in the review by Dr. Erica Raiden, they said that, the FDA opinion on these medications has changed and they are finally starting to require the manufacturers to do a pharmacokinetic study. Well, guess what? That drug that was approved in 2012, that drug was pulled in 2017 because they didn't want to do the studies. And that drug contained polyethylene glycols made by Braintree Labs who originally made Miralax and they pulled the drug off the market in 2017. Mike and Carol and Chris, here, here is the part that, you know, sometimes when you don't go through certain things, you suspend belief because it just, you know, the things that we're saying, they just don't pass the smell test. They just don't make sense. And so if I said to you, here is a product that contains something called polyethylene glycol PEG3350, which is a derivative of petroleum, uh, and this has been put into a product. It's not even a prescription. It's right there on the shelf in the pharmacy, and you can pick it up, and you can give it to your kid in, the, in buckets. Uh, and here is a product that is so dangerous, and you're telling me, and this is the disbelief that I think we've all experienced, you're telling me that this has not been studied for use in children? Are you actually telling me that this has made... 40,000 families' children sick. It's been reported to the FDA for decades. It still sits on the store shelf. And are you telling me this has not been studied? That's the disbelief that... So go ahead, speak to that. They will say there are studies because there are a few studies that show it works in children. It will produce a bowel movement. Those those things are out there. You can find some of that. It has never been studied long-term. It has never been studied to look at behaviors in children because they deny that that's a possibility. So, so it what is were the, never- what were, the, what were the parameters of those studies? Very short, um, right? Yeah, very short. Like with it, you know, they'll look at them for the few days that they're taking it. It's not, it's not they, long-term and it's, right. and they never ask the question, did you have behavioral issues before and do you have them now? Did you start out with none and do you have some? I mean, none of that. And we've, we've asked that the study that we're supposed to do include a behavioral assessment. Of course, you know, before you, before you start the study, you're going to have to have a baseline of where the kids were. But 
You know, the other thing, going back to the absorption possibilities and the, and the toxicity, um, FDA, again, there's a neurologist at FDA who was on that product safety committee who says it is unknown if prolonged duration in solution would, be, would change the chemical properties of PEG 3350 and what the actual content of ethylene glycol or diethylene glycol or other molecular weight PEG would be under such conditions. PEG products that are available over the counter can be used without medical oversight. There is a perception that PEG is safe because it is minimally absorbed from the stomachs and intestines. Uh, from the stomach and intestines. However, little is known about whether absorption in children differs from adults, especially in children who are constipated, have underlying intestinal disease, or are very young. So again, you're talking about crossing crossing um, the gut. Uh, children are receiving adult doses of PEG in some cases, so they know it. Children may be more susceptible to variations in PEG product quality and effects of large doses of PEG given over long duration e.g. weeks or longer, is not known. So they have not studied it. And I just want to jump in here. Uh, you know, Carol, I, as you know, I approve most of the members coming in, and I have, you know, thousands of screenshots of the stories. And, you know, just one from today, I'll just comment here. I mean, we're seeing children, Randy, as, as young as four months, six months, eight months, nine months on this daily and long-term and in our case, you know, we did gut testing, uh, you know, thank God for Dr. Shauna Daru, fantastic naturopath in, in the Toronto area. And I know, Randy, you work with her as well. Help us. We, found, we, we, found, we found out that Connor had C. difficile off the charts. And the reaction was, well, how, how the heck did a four-year-old that eats a healthy diet catch an old person's disease and doesn't C. diff cause diarrhea? Well, no, when you, when you look all the way back and you look into C. diff, it can cause constipation, it can cause ADHD. There are some new, re new research coming out that it is, it is linked to uh, autism spectrum disorder and, and heading children on that path, but he, he didn't catch C. diff. Peg stripped his gut, causing C. difficile to go off the charts, created the neurotoxins. We were seeing children, and there was an article done by, by CTV on a mother out in Alberta whose children developed uh, PANS and PANDAS. So we're seeing children with peg stripping the gut. We're seeing C. diff, strep, yeast candida take off, produce neurotoxins, which are leading children in the case of PANS and PANDAS. That is a strep infection of the brain. It's not well known what's causing it, and it's being linked down to antibiotics as well as to PEG 3350. I, I think that just... You know, my my greatest prayer of this, you know, of this time that we're spending together is is one person at a time. And when I started doing this podcast, somebody said, you know, so what's the end game? Why are you doing this? And my answer was, I want to have happen what happened with my daughter and I one day after we, you know, found the Facebook group and we started her on the path to healing and she was still pretty sick and we were in a, in a pharmacy and she saw this big display of Restorlax on the shelf. Uh, and she's, she's a very strong-minded kid. She's, she's 11 now. She was 10 at the time. And she said, Daddy, look, look, it's on the shelves. Will you go talk to the pharmacist? And I'll do anything for her, right? So I said, okay, honey. We went up and we waited in line and we waited our turn to talk to the pharmacist. And I said, my daughter wants to talk to you about something. And she said, she said, you have that, those red bottles down there, Restorlax on the shelf. Uh, and they made me really, really sick for a very long time. And I said, 
what she's saying is right. Um, and the only way I found this out is uh, I found a group of people called Parents Against Miralax, which is the, the U.S. brand of this. And I said it, it, it caused her horrible, horrible illness and symptoms. And she stood in front of me and she had her computer on the counter in front of me and she typed in the website and she sat there and she got closer and closer and read it and read it. And she got, she stood up and she had tears in her eyes and she said, my son is on this. And she was a pharmacist. And I'm pretty sure that day she went home and stopped it. So that's what I'm hoping can happen from this is that, you know, don't yeah. just listen to us. Go and do your research online. Go to the website. 40,000 parents uh, cannot be wrong. And Mike, you, you sent me a picture. We talked uh, earlier about, uh, about a pediatric conference that went on down in the U.S. Uh, and they laughed uh, at this organization. And Mike, you, do, you have the, do you have the quote there uh, in front of you? I have yeah, it. Yeah, I I think I have it pretty well memorized, but um, yeah, you're right. I was actually in attendance at the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois. I believe the year was 2017 at the American Academy Pediatric National Convention. Yeah. Um, I probably shouldn't have been in attendance, but I wanted to make sure I was there because they were going to talk about Miralax. But it was interesting because uh, Dr. Carlo DiLorenzo, he's the former president of NAFSCAN. Not going to get the acronym off the top of my head, but that is the governing body here in the States for the gastro um, doctors. And Dr. DiLorenzo, um, he really made a mockery out of our efforts. Um, he actually put a picture of our Facebook group um, up on the screen. And at that time, the header of the group read, a worried mother does better research than the FBI. So of course, when you present that to a room full of doctors, nurses, med students, not too many lay people in there. I think I might, me and another uh, parents, we might've been the only two, um, but they just, they laughed. They absolutely laughed. And Dr. DiLorenzo that day had an opportunity to make a difference because earlier in that speech, he talked about PPIs, and this is a whole different subject, but about how PPIs, you know, Prilosec, Zantac, uh, drugs such as that, how they alter the microbiome. So, you know, when we talk about these doctors don't know anything about the microbiome, I don't know that that's hundred percent true. You know, DiLorenzo talked about the microbiome at length when he talked about PPIs. And when I stopped him in the hallway after his presentation, I asked him, I'm like, hey, Dr. DiLorenzo, why don't you speak to Miralax and how it alters the microbiome? Because prior to his speech, I gave him, I sent him an email. And I included several of the studies that show that Miralax PEG-3350 does indeed alter the microbiome. And he played dumb with me and I really didn't appreciate it. But he did later email me and acknowledge receipt of my email and of the studies. So and that's just something that we as parents need to continue to do. And like you said, Randy, what do I want to do? That's exactly what I want to do. I want to make a difference. And I would ultimately like to see the product removed from the shelves. It's a tall order. And uh, I'd like to see Bear held responsible. You know, it's, that's my fight. I, I fight, I connect with attorneys every single, not every day, but regularly nonetheless. Do you, do you not feel as, uh, you know, as parents who have been through this, Carol, as a, as a researcher and advocate uh, in this space that the, you know, the larger the beast, the, the bigger the arrow uh, that's, that's required to bring it down. And when you talk about bear, you know, if you, if you say the word bear to the public uh, as an organization, they think aspirin, right? That's, that's the connected product to, uh, well, we're bear aspirin. 
uh, and the fact that they uh, hold and control some of the most dangerous, toxic products and chemicals in the world. And the part that pisses me off beyond anything I can ever imagine after watching my daughter go through this is you people at Bear, shame on you. You put your kids to bed every night. You tuck them in every night. You are parents. You are members of this community. And you allow this garbage to be out there on the street. And you take that money and you buy your fancy cars in your cottages. And you go and you sleep like a baby. Shame on you. It is absolutely disgusting. And then you buy a company like Monsanto. And you bury Roundup. And you throw $10 billion at it for the thousands of people that that product caused cancer. And oh, by the way, Bear, we also know, and there's going to be a future show on your brand new product coming out called Liberty Link. That is another GMO product linked to glyphosate that is going to be more dangerous than Roundup. So for the people, and I'm sure that this is going to get in front of some of the people at Bear, and I hope it does. And I hope you go home and you look at your kids tonight and you tuck them into bed. And you pray to God that they don't get sick on this garbage that you're putting out on the street every day for profit because it's disgusting. This isn't, you know, some time to just sit back and roll over and say, well, we're going to do our best. No, we're not. We're not going away. 40,000 families didn't sit around and say, hey, you know what? We're bored. We have nothing to do. Why don't we attack a a drug company? We're doing this because you made our, our kids sick. And we're not going to stand for it. So uh, I think that is, that, is that a fair statement? You know, Randy, I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, I, I spend, uh, as, you, as you all know, probably a couple hours a day providing guidance. And to your point, you know, uh, I just want to, you know, read, uh, you know, a new member here today, start smart person, not going to mention their name. You know, studied environmental science. They work for, uh, you know, their senior engineer at the company they work for. Six-year-old son suffering for two years. He's been taking Miralax on and off for a year and a half. Recently prescribed two scoops daily for the next year, which is more than an adult dose. The behavioral changes are scary, looking for help. And they're listing here age, anger, rage, depression, psychosis. And this just goes on and on of families, uh, this a product in, you know, talking about seizures and ticks, you know, after taking Muvacol, which is what it's called in the UK, for three months, my boy has ticks and, and has changed his behavior. So again, it's starting to get ticks. So again, on and on, uh, you know, I'm not going to rest and I dedicate a lot of time to this, but Health Canada relying on the FDA, we know, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I have a tin hat, but I we know who's does the funding in the U.S. We know how there's a lot of influence. Bayer is a large company. There are some big ones out there that do provide influence. If you look at the boards of some of the companies and how they cross-pollinate executives across. But, you know, Health Canada, shame on Health Canada. There are thousands of children in Canada being damaged by Restorlax, by Laxaday, which is it's called something else. And, you know, had a mother out Western Canada saying, you know, refusing Restorlax, but then she agreed to laxidate, not realizing it was polyethylene glycol and was pushed by a nurse, pushed by the doctor to use it and pressured. And I think, you know, when you look at the label, just the label on the product alone, it does say on there, not for under 17 years and not for more than a week. Again, not for under 17 years old, not for more than a week. And we're seeing, again, babies 
toddlers being put on this for years at a time, but it does Bayer is is trying to, I think, re- reduce that liability by saying, you know, unless under care of a doctor, but the doctors are just being told the positive news or the news that are from the studies that, okay, yes, it may pull water, but they don't realize that it is stripping out the gut or more importantly, breaking down an ethylene glycol antifreeze. Carol, if I could just jump in and ask you one quick question on this, because, you know, even, even in as much as they're saying, uh, you know, adults can take this for up to seven days. Knowing the chemical composition of this product, do you consider it dangerous to put those chemicals in anyone's body? Um, that's a good question because we hear from people, nurses, people who work in nursing homes, that so many people in nursing homes are on it daily because they have constipation issues the older they get, and it's routine. And I just wonder. You know, they may already have dementia. They may not have dementia, but they're acting as though they have dementia. And I'm sure it's affecting seniors. Um, I I use magnesium citrate for my colonoscopies, and I ask my husband to do the same. So I couldn't make a declaration like that, but um, I think people should be aware and look at the research. You know, all all, all the chemicals you listed off right right from the panel of the manufacturer. In, in talking about the toxicity uh, of the list of chemicals that's in this, I can't imagine looking at that and saying, yep, I got to get me some of that. Like, I, how is that, you know, how is that possible? I wanted to, I wanted to finish this up on, uh, you know, on, on a high note, because for the parents that are listening, if your children are on this, if your children are, you know, dealing with constipation issues, uh, and that is going on right now, a big part of what I'm hoping this show is, is also providing answers and solutions. This isn't just, you know, beating a drum and, you know, yelling and screaming at pharmaceutical companies or whoever it is. Uh, this is about saying there is another solution. Get informed. So uh, as as parents, we've, you know, we've we've all become poop experts, uh, right, in, uh, in going through this and finding natural ways to, uh, you know, to be able to help our, our, our kids. For my daughter... Um, regularly using uh, organic coconut oil, unflavored organic coconut oil. I hide it in everything, uh, which is which is terrific. Uh, and then psyllium fiber, which is uh, which is the the soluble and insoluble fi- fiber, actually in Metamucil. And you know, we we were told, well, you should put her on like something like Metamucil. And I looked, and it and it contains food dyes and all kinds of other crazy additives and psyllium fiber, organic psyllium fiber is just the good stuff. It's just the fiber and it helps to bulk up the stools. You got to make sure that the kids drink lots of water with it. Um, and we've had great success with it. And that's one of the incredible things about, uh, you know, about this group about parents against Miralax is that constant sharing of information. And I know, you know, Chris and Mike, you guys are constantly helping families out saying, try this and try this and try this and it's all natural and, and it helps. So if you can spend a couple of moments and speak to, you know, some of the, you know, the ways that you've seen that uh, parents have had su- some success. Yeah, I'll maybe, I'll maybe jump in, but I, I do want to close, you know, mention that this product, it, it is cradle to grave. Um, you know, talk with a doctor, local doctor to me, it is being, being used liberally in long-term care facilities. And a lot of the patient's, that have potentially pre-existing conditions 
are on meds that cause constipation. So it is being poured into the elderly at shocking rates as well. And as Carol mentioned, we are seeing, you know, stripping that gut, stripping of butyrate is causing or leading to Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, you know, even had a conversation today with a parent about, about Huntington's and, you know, that is being linked to the gut microbiome, hair loss being linked to the, to the gut microbiome. So, uh, you know, just want to mention that, especially what a lot of people don't realize, and especially now in our, you know, our new normal COVID world, 70% plus of our immune system is linked to our gut. Yeah. And stripping that gut out is stripping and suppressing the immune system. So I think that's critical, you know, critical to mention, especially we know that the elderly are hit more uh, with what's going on, you know, in our, in our current environment. And it's critical to know if elderly are being poured, you know, that as well. Um, you know, back to natural solutions, you know, you mentioned magnesium and Carol mentioned magnesium citrate. So, you know, we, we have a protocol on the Parents Against Miralax group. Um, you know, Mike, you probably get tired of Carol. You probably get tired of me pointing people back to back to read the announcements. You know, when you're I get it. Parents are desperate. They're anxious. They want a solution. And, you know, when if you follow a protocol, uh, it's a combination of, you know, natural solutions like magnesium. Magnesium is a natural laxative. There's different types of magnesiums that are, are more absorbed. But, you know, magnesium citrate, magnesium oxide are not absorbed as other forms of magnesium. So they do help pull water. So number one, magnesium. And magnesium citrate is the recommended for short-term use while also healing the gut. And part of the healing the gut, you know, diet. Diet elimination, diet support is critical. And we're seeing, um, you know, no offense to, you know, the milk marketing boards, which are very powerful. And I think it's fantastic that Health Canada has moved away from promoting dairy. As you know, Randy, they've, they've, they've moved it down the food chain, so to speak, and, and focusing more on plant-based. But, you know, removing dairy is, is critical. And I mean traditional dairy. There are benefits to, uh, you know, A2 milk, Mike, as you know all too well, and you may talk to, but... Uh, at a minimum, you know, getting rid of dairy, watching yeast, watching gluten, which can all affect the gut. Magnesium, you know, Randy, I know you're using psyllium husk, which we use as well. Yep. Uh, we use organic MCT oil. Um, you know, it's mixed into organic coconut yogurt. We sometimes give it straight up with organic juice close by. And again, my concern with non-organic, you know, is, you know, mentioned Monsanto and Glystoffy. My concern there is the food dyes, the additives, it may have glyphosate residue, which we know kills the gut microbiome. But, you know, in the group, it's, it's fairly straightforward of, you know, diet elimination as well as, um, you know, healthy, healthy fluids, magnesium, coconut oil, as well as, you know, knowing, you know, probiotics is the common buzz. And, you know, probiotics, I feel they, they should be specific to the strains that are needed. And that starts with gut testing. So, you know, consulting with a naturopath or functional doctor, understanding, you know, how PEG has stripped the gut, supplementing that. I think prebiotics are, are critical as well. Prebiotics help feed the gut and, and build up, you know, the gut microbiome and rebuild the gut microbiome. So I, I think it's, you know, it's important to get a second opinion. I think a lot of doctors, you know, that I talk to will will look at me and say, you know, how do you know more? And I think it's, you know, through my experience, you know, thank God to my, my mother that was a nurse and in the 70s was quite questioning drugs uh, being used versus, you know, getting to root cause, using natural solutions and, you know, fortunate to have been raised by, uh, you know, very intelligent woman that was decades ahead of herself. 
and again on how to use natural solutions to heal. So I encourage everyone to to to, uh, to search for the truth and and to join our join our Facebook group. And you know it's forty thousand members, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, globally that are you know potentially reporting symptoms, but their doctors are downplaying it because the doctors are not aware that this product is causing you know neurological issues, seizures. And other issues. One, I'll turn it over to Mike. Yeah, one one point before we get to uh, to Mike on this, and this is I, I think one of the hardest things. Uh, it's it's like when we're raised, you know, as kids, you know, the police are your friends; they're here to save and protect you, uh, and that's the way it is. Your doctor knows more than anyone will ever know about the human body, uh, and, and they're the ones that have all the answers. I think the hardest thing uh, as a parent to break away from and say you know what, we've learned a lot of information my doctor doesn't know. Uh, and I'm going to have to be okay with saying, Doc, I appreciate your opinion, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in my own direction because I've done the research, I've found this out. And again, don't just listen to us. Go and find out your own information because this stuff is poison. Uh, and, and the part that breaks my heart uh, are the people who maybe listen to this and watch this um, and they get this information and they go back to the doctor and the doctor convinces them, no, 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 keep giving it to them. And, and that's, that's just, it, it's horrible. So just know that, you know, if you do go back and talk to your doctor and it's, you, you have to make your own decision uh, as a parent, but that's a very powerful element that's been, you know, ingrained in all of us since we're this big, that uh, well, they know everything, right? So. Well, thank you, Carol, for the, you know, the PEG fact sheet is something I tell parents to have that printed off, ready to go for their appointments, you know, to see a GI. I think there's two threats. I think GIs are very quick to jump to diagnosis uh, versus doing, you know, proper gut training or diet elimination. So, uh, you know, Carol, thank you for that PEG fact sheet. You were finding that is helping parents, you know, defend their position. I think some doctors do, unfortunately, come off as, you know, knowing it all. And, you know, how can that be? That's not the case. Your child has ADHD. Let's put them on Ritalin or some other drug. It's not the Miralax or Restorlax. So I think it's, you know, having that, those facts going in are, are critical. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, you wanted to, uh, to add some of your own experience about uh, how to help your child, you know, to heal once you get off of this. Yeah, I really think diet is key. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, when you talked about like the gut testing, Chris, you know, a lot of people are so quick to rush out and say, hey, I have to have probiotics. And, you know, probiotics, I, I think they're great. They definitely have a, a place in this healing process. Because a little bit back to our story, you know, we could not get an anti-seizure medication to work until we started to repopulate his gut with lactobacillus. And much like yourself, Randy, um, and Chris, you know, very fortunate that we were able to take our son to a naturopath and we were able to do some gut testing and, you know, come to find out our son had very little, if any, lactobacillus in his gut. And once you start to do, you know, the Google search and see what lactobacillus is, those are the good guys. You want yeah. lactobacillus. So we started repopulating his gut with lactobacillus. We run a probiotic. We're still on a probiotic. We still give him lactobacillus. And, um, you know, we're still in the process of healing. You know, we're, we're five years removed. And like, you know, and, and that's because, you know, we run it for five years. I mean, his, we were in a bad place. We're in a much better place and we're on the right path. But, you know, and some of the things that I believe in, I am a, I am a firm believer in fiber. You know, when you talked about psyllium husk, I think that's great. I think it's very important to know the difference between soluble and insoluble fiber and to use a little bit of both. 
Yeah. Um, water, fruits, vegetables, clean diet, organic when possible, staying away from glyphosate, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not a huge fan of a elimination diet, but if you do have some food intolerance issues, I think an elimination diet is, is very useful. All right. Again, uh, Carol, Chris, Mike, uh, I can't thank you folks uh, enough for uh, not only, you know, joining us for, uh, for this podcast and sharing your knowledge and information, but you can just tell, right, that eternal fight that is inside of you that, you know, every day the goal is what? To get the information out there and to help one more parent, to, to, to help one more family and, you know, to try and get that message out there. And eventually, you know, the goal being, which is, it is insane that we're looking at this as such a pie in the sky vision that it comes off the shelf uh, or there is a strong enough warning on it that parents actually know if I give this to my child, here is what could potentially happen. And the fact that that has not happened yet is astounding. The fact that it will happen, I believe, is an absolute because we're not going away. 40,000 families, Chris, you mentioned probably hundreds of thousands out there that uh, have not been reported yet, but, uh, you know, we'll continue on with, uh, with this fight and uh, your, uh, you know, your, your input today. Just fantastic. And I, I can't thank you enough. Appreciate it. Thank you. Some of the future shows coming up uh, here on Informed, uh, we're going to be covering pesticides, the use of glyphosates, uh, the overuse of dangerous medications, uh, and the fact that childhood illness has risen from about 4 to 5% in the 1970s to 43% of our children today. This has to change. This will change. Uh, and as parents, it, it is in our hands to, uh, to take up this, uh, this challenge and uh, continue to do everything we can to, uh, to inform. So that's what the show is. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day and be well.